Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bald Move Television Podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. And boy, we really mean it this week. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily. And we got a roundtable panel here to discuss some TV that we watched this week. Uh, some new documentaries. Uh, Netflix, The Grass is Greener by Fab Five Freddy and featuring Snoop Dogg, amongst many other uh, illuminaries of this type of content. And it's a documentary examining... The History of Weed in America. Uh, we also watched on Netflix Bonding, uh, which is a new micro-comedy based on uh, the BDSM subculture and life and relationships. Uh, we also saw a concert ser- uh, a, a, a concert uh, movie, a concert film, I think is what they're called, on HBO, Beyonce's Homecoming. And finally, there's another uh, documentary on HBO, uh, a Vice special on the future of work, something that is near and dear to my heart. And something that I think Jim is uh, super interested in, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk real quick about, I think, the s- s- simplest topic, which is Netflix's Grass is Greener. Jim, I don't think you had a chance to watch this one. I did not. But Cecil and I watched it on his release day of 420. Um, <laughs> I posted this on Instagram, but when I went to go watch this the day of... Uh, the PlayStation, you know how it's as, as auto-suggesting content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's entire entertainment thing had was, a list of baked goodies for the week. Yeah, and it was uh, like a it was a documentary about Cheech and Chong. It was Dazed and Confused. <laughs> it was Pineapple Express. Uh huh. And like, we live in a country where Sony of America mm-hmm. is celebrating with the with like a you know I don't know a third of America on 420 day and partaking of this uh you know harmless intoxicant and yet people are doing simultaneously hard time for possessions of very small amounts of this drug. Yes. Uh and this this documentary is essentially uh if you have your response to that is what the fuck this documentary explains why that started happening. Can you tell me why weed is illegal after watching this doc weed is illegal because there was a hysteria about and stop me if you've heard this before uh <laughs> immigration into america from latin america and right. the wacky tobacco that they were bringing with them and that was being popular with jazz musicians one of the startling mm-hmm. things the best part of this is that in the 20s 30s and 40s there's a surprising number of uh, uh, like odes to marijuana Okay. In jazz, like it was nice. like if you were a jazz player, you you smoked marijuana because it it was a performance enhancing drug. And there's like these people like like extolling the virtues of it, and like this and these big band like jive swinging kind of things, and talking about. We have one such jazz record on its on its way to our house. Yeah, right now. <laughs> uh, discovered some new music. But so this is. I mean, like, I've seen House of Cards. I know where this jazz, this weed infused jazz, ends mm-hmm. up. I don't think I like it. But there's these, like <laughs> there, there's like tons of these like fabricated stories of like uh, a Latino man getting high on marijuana and raping and killing a bunch right. of white people yeah. and a, a black man losing his mind at a j- jazz club and stabbing and just a whole bunch of fabricated or things that like one of the guys it was true, but the man was schizophrenic had nothing mm-hmm. to do with a marijuana. And um, it was a way to like suppress these populations. And then again in the 60s where... Uh, marijuana was popular with hippies and it was popular with like uh, black power advocates and there's like actual people on interview and documentation saying well it's against the constitution to outlaw being a hippie outlaw being a socialist outlaw being a black panther 
but they all smoke weed. Mm-hmm. So let's outlaw weed and uh, you know cocaine and some of these other things and just fucking brutally rep- repress them, break apart their communities and their leadership organizations, and gives this this is a free don't have to respect anybody's right to privacy or due process card. And then it just continues to be doubled down. Like they right. showed this. Yeah, and these are drugs that white people are using at the exact same rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing because you know they 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 have answers. I, I knew most of this stuff. I didn't know like the like the really hidden like origins of of weed and jazz, marijuana and jazz. But like um, jive and jazz, <laughs> they, they do this really good job of showing. Um, like all the different administrations from the Eisenhower days, like re- repeating, we have to stop this this flood of these this narcotic, this intoxicant coming to our country. And then every single time there's been an official government study, and there's been like three major ones in the last forty years. They always return that like you know marijuana doesn't have like it's it's not as harmful as alcohol, <laughs> and it should yeah, not. There's no reason it needs to be Schedule One. It's Schedule One, which means you can't even do even though. We also live in a world where, like, half the states in the union recognize it as medicinal value, but the federal, like, it's mm-hmm. it's it's illegal to even research it. It yeah. has no med. So it's like, I I don't know. I mean, and they do a lot of stories where, like, a guy, a, a father of like three with a you know a wife and an, a, and a stable member of the community did uh, ten years for possessing essentially a joint's worth of weed. Uh, in where what con- what was that? What state? I, I forget remember. what state that was. Was it Louisiana? I think so. Yeah, it yeah. It was Kentucky Louisiana. It was Louisiana for sure. That's uh, how they ended it. They said we brought it back to Louisiana because he was getting out of prison for the and, first time. And the interesting thing about it is they interview his family and they all talk about it like Thanos snapped this man. Like it's like some like like yeah. They don't like they literally can't like our dad is is was been away from our family. Our dad who used to provide for us and who's is, is away from our family is going to be a felon. The rest of life because he possessed um like a, a, a gram and a half of fucking herb that grows in the dirt mm-hmm. and you smoke it and it makes you i mean like i'm not going to sit here and say there's no negative effects of smoking weed um i'm not going to sit there and tell you that like no one has ever ruined their lives with marijuana in such in the in the same way that people can ruin their life gambling and playing video games and drinking alcohol and you know jerking off the porn like uh, there's tons of ways you can ruin your life in frivolous ways of this this world, but I cannot see how the 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 harm reduction of keeping you know I I just I don't know I I, I got no answers. Um, and the documentary is kind of like like hey, it's 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 really time to change this. You you you've got to vote. You've got to uh you know follow the politics. You got to support people that are trying to do right. It's also like. They, they do a good job of showing how um, this is an interesting trick. So now as legalization's going, um, 97% of all dispensaries are owned by white Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the disproportionate amount of African Americans are incarcerated, and that's one of the interesting ironies is a lot of the big marijuana dealers that had the experience in the growing operations are forbidden by the state statutes that grant licenses. Like, you can't grant a license to a felon. So if you've ever been busted for felony possession yeah. of weed, hello, you're a weed dealer. It's so weird. You can't weird. grow weed for business. It's like right, if car, yeah. it, working on cars was illegal, and there is a like an underground movement of shade tree mechanics helping people out and making some money on the side, and suddenly, like, oh, yeah, you can actually work on cars, but anyone that's ever been busted for working on cars can't open up a car shop. 
Right. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's the only person I want working on my car. <laughs> right. So it's been like this completely uh, flip-flopping of the culture from, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, uh, obviously... I don't know. It's all insane. And it's there's all insane. yeah, and there's also this crazy juxtaposition on that point of mostly being you know owned. Most of the businesses being granted licenses to white people. They show this this convention of um, weed related products. Oh and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just got it, it's it's really and they say nothing about it. They just go booth by booth, and the people talk about what their products are like these CBD infused dog treats and. <laughs> This hemp hand lotion that gives you that, you know, that gives you a nice pleasant shower. And it's just, it's, it's really, it's really ridiculous how the people at the top are living and how the people at the bottom are not able to get in on any of that. And it's like I said, this country is divided. We have a, we have uh, like politicians and states that right now you can do hard time for minor possession. Uh, I've just in, in my own fair city of Cincinnati, uh, the, oh, I forget if it's the county sheriff's department or police department like raided a place selling CBD oil. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, the I, it's just offensive that we're spending the money to just even like write tickets on this shit. But the fact that like people are losing thousands, having their products seized, and doing uh, you have to appear in court, and then you know having to maybe face the possibility of doing jail time, I just think is just crazy. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the sentiment. Uh, my biggest question after watching the preview for this is what's Snoop's role in the whole thing? Uh, is it, wait, is there something funny here? There, there's something funny because Snoop Dogg, he tells a lot of a lot of the people in the story. Um, I can't remember any specific people, but they talk about their first times getting high. He tells this really interesting story. And um, you can tell that since the first time he's smoked weed... He's been high every day since then. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, unless he actually has done any jail time in his life. But um, so this actually Snoop Dogg at like 50 years old or whatever the hell he is, is still his first time smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. The blood has never gone. It's but, just gone. Yeah. And, yeah. But even like in the interview, they're like, oh, Snoop, you can't light up here. And he's like, well, this is the whole point. And, he's, he, and he gets high and he gets everyone in the room high. And then the documentary <laughs> kind of like the wheels start to like rattle, but it makes it that much more entertaining. That's perfect. It's yeah. like, this, this is not hurting anybody. Yeah, uh, he's like, "Come on, Snoop! I got to do this interview." Like, this guy's and like, he hands it the blunt, like, and he just takes it anyway. And yeah, he just joins yeah. in. Um, <laughs> amazing. But he's like, uh, I, "Yeah, no." There's just a lot of interviews, like Killer Mike's in there. A lot uh, of a lot of like musicians, and they they do a lot of interviews, like Silicon Valley executives, uh, rap musicians, uh, R and B musicians, uh, professional athletes. Like a couple of professional athletes have had their their careers destroyed because they mm-hmm. like smoking weed in the off season or maybe uh, even during the season. Yeah. The young did, wasn't there Marley. A... Who is his name? Damon Marley. There was one. I know the like younger one, Ricky, mm, yeah. Ricky Johnson, that running back out of Miami is yeah. one or Ricky Williams is one that got kind of per- per- perennially fucked over. And, and that was interesting uh, with the, uh, the Marley who's, I think it's Damon. I'm going to go with that. He talks about how in Jamaica they are having the same problems. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This 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 oppressive government that's trying to stop the Rastafarian. Right. Um, yeah. They actually, it? you know, that's part of their like religion. religious mm-hmm. practice. But, yeah. But all that, and also like every president since George H. W. Bush, 
has smoked marijuana. Right. So like this line that like you can't be successful in the one like you know only losers choose dr- choose drugs and all that shit we've grown up with. It's just so demonstrably false. And there's also a lot of uh, evidence presented that like you know trying like uh, trying to tell kids just don't you know don't stay away from the demon like like lying to kids about the dangers of drugs is just as stupid as trying to preach abstinence only because mm-hmm. what'll happen is a kid will try a beer and a kid will try a, mar- a marijuana and the kid will be like fuck you guys you've been set you know. You've been lying to me. Instead of saying like, "Here's yeah. all the drugs, and here's all the dangers, and here's all the benefits," and in like like, there's a lot of studies that show that if you give kids accurate information about risks of stuff, that they actually can mitigate it themselves <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and make informed decisions. Whereas if you just make everything mysterious and you got to go on sketchy websites and hear stuff from your much older friends, like I, I, I. so who, I who, who is this documentary for? Is it for people who like know nothing about yes. weed and weed culture? Like, if you don't know anything about the ra- the racist background of like weed uh, lo- uh, marijuana legislation, or if you, uh, I mean, it's or, an introduction to the country yes. and the culture that it created and that created it. Okay, really. and they cite a lot of like studies, like you know the Nick the Nixon. Um, uh, had a whole years long study on marijuana, and the the council came the the thing came back and recommended it be descheduled. <laughs> and he just said nah. And then they just and then nah. they they have like they show a press conference like two weeks after this. He's like, we've got to stop the and it's just right. and it's it's as every fucking president has done this uh, tough on crime, and it's just it's just we got to stop it. We got to stop it. And right, yeah. including Obama didn't. Deschedule no. it. Yeah, I mean, he could have. Yeah, he could have, and that's the thing. I think that, it's coming. Well, but... I know it's like I just feels. I just feel like it, I'm in crazy town because like every politician could be so much more popular if they would mm-hmm. just run that as a major part of their platform. And so few, even on the the Democratic side, so few. Yeah, certainly on the left, you would. Yeah, but I even think on the right, like like uh, do, like if, anytime Donald Trump gets south of forty, he could just say, "Hey, I want to legalize uh, marijuana and crucially pardon all nonviolent marijuana mm-hmm. possession offenders," yeah. and he would probably. At the seventy percent approval, like it's kind of scary what a low hanging fruit this is, and yet, but you start thinking, and the, the document gets in, and it's like, so why is this? Like, what you know, is there a is and there's a lot of private prisons that's got money in stake. There mm-hmm. is a lot of uh, pharmaceutical reps that don't want you know, like weed's not a miracle <laughs> drug, but it's got its applications and. A lot of people probably that have struggled with depression and things like that could, especially anxiety. Um, you know, like instead of taking Xanax for like smoke a joint, do some CBD oil, right. eat an edible, chill yeah. the fuck out. Uh, and you know what? That's going to cost you like five bucks, no subs- prescription. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's a good, it's a, it's a good intro and it's a good, it's, it's also, it, it's, it's a good intro, but also gives you pretty much an intro to everything you need to understand about why weed shouldn't be illegal. So yeah. uh, let's talk about Netflix's new micro comedy bonding. This is another one of those. Uh, I don't know what their official name is. I'm calling them micros, where their episodes are 15 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and it yeah, is the a, whole series is what eight episodes, and yeah. 15 each, so it's less than it's like two hours. Yeah, if the, that. Gun, the gun through, and it's like very easy to do. Like just one more before you go to bed or before you go out to eat. Or um, and this one is about a gay man who uh, is a uh, uh, a personal assistant to a friend of his that turns out to be a dominatrix. And the relationship she has with her clients, she's also gone try to put herself through uh, to get a degree in psychology. Um, this guy, this this gay man, is um, uh, kind of repressed and he's inexperienced, and he wa- and now he's thrown in this situation where there's this freewheeling sexuality. 
what do we think of it as in terms of just like general interest and also in terms of how successful it is as a comedy? Uh, I think it's great. Uh, you didn't mention that he's also an aspiring stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So that's... that's where the f- a lot of the funny comes in because mm-hmm. uh, it's easy for him to drop like a one-liner to diffuse what it could be like an awkward situation if you're watching right. it. Because <laughs> I feel like he represents maybe the audience that isn't familiar with this kind of sexuality. Oh, very much so, yeah. And I think it does an incredible job of not really judging people like you can laugh you can say like peeing on someone is is gross and icky but you also do it and it's fulfilling and it's and she also in the second episode has this monologue where she describes i think very eloquently how healthy it can be or why psychologically people would be into these kind of relationships right it makes sense because they're giving her she's not a psychiatrist at the same time that would be too much she's just going to school for it Mm And she's got enough insight and experience to really hold your hand and guide you through this. Um, because I think you, you actually mentioned this is, um, I don't, I don't really watch that much porn or go out and look for it on the internet, Mm -hmm. but you were explaining a theory about how these things are coming in waves. Like you see something pop up and then, then there's huge, it's trending. Like Game of Thrones, for example, incest porn starts popping up and, And it just gets, it just lights like a wildfire. And I think this is really important for people who are interested in getting into it to uh understand fully what it is and be less judgmental about people who do have adventurous sex, I guess. What did you think, Jim? Uh, Yeah, I think it's good. And and along those lines of um, sort of the the monologue that she gives about, you know, like kind of eliminating shame or something yeah. like that is yeah, is like the shame. end goal of that and i think it's a really good pairing with like a stand-up comic uh-huh. because that's what i think holds a lot of people back from being you know themselves like stand-up comics right like that's a hard fucking thing to do mm-hmm. is put yourself out in front of people like that so uh i think it's a really good pairing of those two and i think it's a funny show um i think it's an interesting show it's a subculture that like i have no personal interest in mm-hmm. but i have like a curiosity of well, I just think when I was watching this, I was, I was just thinking like 15 years ago, I would have been shocked and disgusted by everything I'm seeing here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And like I would have that visceral like this. I can't believe like how fucked up do you have to be that you have to. And and now I'm watching and I'm just like, I just remark how like uh, just undisturbed i find it all like mm-hmm. there's nothing unsafe happening here there's stuff that's not to my personal taste but everyone yeah. is consent everyone wants it everyone is doing this seems like in a, in a safe and sane manner and it seems like they're having fun and they're getting a, a benefit out of it it's it's helping them be better people in their standard lives yeah sure like you can do you can like uh you, you can you can add these activities in the context of things I don't like, like infidelity. Like if you're going to see a dominatrix and your wife doesn't know about it, that's not very cool. Yeah. Right. But like, it's, it's the, the actual extremity of the acts themselves. I find this is completely non passe after I've been swimming in the gutter for the last 10 years or so, I guess I'm just <laughs> inured. I'll, I'll say, I don't understand feet stuff. I don't understand pee stuff, but right. Like if that's if that's your thing and it's not hurting anybody and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of freeing you, I guess go for it. Like mm-hmm. what? Why would I try and stop you? Right. And I think that's like one of the more important things that a show like this does is it just gets that idea out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's tough because on one hand I don't think anybody who isn't at least a little curious about this whole thing to begin with is is they're not going to check that out, right? 
it's I think it's like I think it depends on whether it gets some traction in a larger world because you can have things okay. like you know. Yeah. How big a role did things like Will and Grace have in normalizing homosexuality sure. uh, in America? How like things like uh, Queer as Folk and things like like were you know if 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 this thing gets into in front of a lot of people and a lot of people like it and people start recommending it because you could say the same thing like I uh, you know I can imagine it's like oh well it's Will and Spades about gay people I'm not into gay people so but like. Yeah, I think that this like got legs behind it, and people are like, "Oh, you should check out Bonding. It's really funny." Yeah. Oh, is that the one about where people pee on each other? Yeah, but when it happens, you'll understand. Like, if those type of conversations start happening, yeah. where it's like, it's yeah. not, oh, this isn't something I'm into, so fuck it, and it's more like, well, but yeah, it's still just a good story. And, and the and other think, stuff you think yeah. is weird, it turns out it's not that weird. That's where boundaries start breaking down. Yeah, and the more of it that's out there, the more opportunities there are for that to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think ultimately it's probably a good thing because, the, you know, if you know, a lot of people deal with a lot of shit in different ways. Mm-hmm. And if this is what does it for you, like, then do it. Yeah, and, like, there was uh, – I was watching – I can't remember what uh, – I was watching um, something, and uh, I, I, they're, they're interviewing these guys on the street, and they're talking about different, like, sexual acts, and, like, every once in a while, like, one guy's like, oh, that's, that's pretty gay. And then, and then it was always like, right? And, like, you'd see the guys, like, they, they would turn to, like, consult each other. Like, there's this kind of, like, and I'm thinking, like, out of this six, this crew is six dudes. I feel like one or two of them probably doesn't think that's gay. Probably wants, but now, like, everyone's decided it is. So it's, like, uh, well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, as a society, it seems like everyone would be happier if you just did what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. without worrying about what other people thought of it. Like, you know, again, sure. as long as it's all not all of your life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I think there's a lot of people that, like, I wonder how much of, like, people being angry and, like, uh, bitter and resentful is because they're not living the life that they want to live because mm-hmm. society says it's not the right way. Yeah. And I feel like shows like this could, you know, break it down. They also make it... It's interesting because um, there's so far no nudity at all. Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was but gonna mention a, that. It's, it's I was a, like, they show some really graphic things, like him getting a just shot in the face oh and the pee God. in the mouth when he spits it out. I was like, how far in did you? Well, well see, the guy, that's what I was gonna ask you. It doesn't look like you even noticed that there wasn't any nudity. No, I, I definitely noticed. Like okay. they, when those things were happening, they didn't show but any like, nudity. Yeah, but, but, but everything is implied, and, yeah. and everything, every like everything's shown. They just don't show dicks and and pussies and asses. Like, right. They just don't show them, but they show everything else. Yeah, right. you know, the, the, the worst shot. part, in my opinion, yeah. like yeah. That, that thing like hits him damn near in the eye, and I'm like, yeah. oh no, uh-huh. Uh-huh. no. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I was like, if if there were nudity, it might be gratuitous because mm. this isn't. As far as I can tell, it's not sexual for Uh her. Right. Uh, When they pan down and almost show that guy's penis, Mm -hmm. it's like, it doesn't matter whether it's big or small. What he wants is to be told it's small. So, yeah. yeah. He gets off in the humiliation. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought that was like, it's funny because, like, also, like, before you watch it, there's like this kind of uh, 30 second, like, you're about to see some extreme (laughs) kind of thing before you go. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I wonder if also, like, people will be drawn in, just be like, you know, like a looky loo. Like, I want to see how fucked up this is. And then they come for the, they, they, (laughs) they, (laughs) they come for the come. Shame on you. They stay for the characters and the better understanding of their fellow uh, humans and perhaps their own sexuality. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, so H uh, Netflix bonding uh, three three thumbs up. 
Three thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> we each only have one thumb. I don't know if you knew that. Well, Roger, there wasn't four thumbs up. Six it was thumbs Roger up. had one and... Uh, no, no, crucially, they were both missing thumbs. Uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, I forgot about that. Left I thumbs I, gone. Lost it in the war. Yeah. Uh, Didn't they use stars? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> HBO uh, released Beyonce's Homecoming concert. Wrong. So... Netflix did. Oh, fuck. Wasn't... It was Netflix. Are you sure? I'm positive. I'll look it up while we're talking. Damn. Okay. I thought it was HBO. Um, Fuck. I fucked that up. Um, So this was essentially a concert footage that she... uh, This is a concert footage of her Coachella performance, which happened last year and was fairly... Uh, famous like it was a big event when it happened oh, and i remember beachella 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 is beachella i thought yeah. beachella okay no. beyonce um <laughs> but it's not it's Be- right. they, well, they did yeah, a bit at the is. end I, this is supposed to be a joke because at the end of the uh the documentary i guess you call it mm-hmm. they say it's not beachella it's beachella because mm. it's beyonce You're right, it's beyonce yeah um so which i think doesn't really roll off the tongue as well mm right no mm. uh we watched this thing so it, it, it was this uh, coachella performance and everyone i remember like all a lot of the pop culture podcasts i uh listened to were like you know just breathless about how awesome it was and how impactful it was and like how moving it was and uh after i've seen this i see why like yeah so this is like the eight months leading up to yeah the all their rehearsals and everything uh-huh. and all of the work that went into creating this whole set this big spectacle two hour um performance yeah and she designed it to give homage to uh the legacy HBCUs. of historic black colleges and universities hbcus and the the homecoming events where all the alumni come back and you know it's like any other homecoming but there's a lot of like distinctly black things that happen at this stuff and um the different uh uh performances and the drum lines and the the dancing and uh just like all the choreography and she had all different types of like body shapes and people doing all different types of dancing it's just this big spectacle, and I feel like that uh, it, it, if you're like if you're black or you're a woman or if you're a black woman, especially like it just made you feel really powerful. And I found, came away watching from Grass Is Greener and the Homecoming thing, and I'm thinking, how can you not love black people and black culture? It's really fucking awesome. And I don't, I, I, and I, I don't hate my culture. I go to German Fest every year. I love right. the schnitzel. Right. I love the strudel. I love the beer. But like this stuff is really fucking cool and it's wholesome. Yeah. And it's got a, like a big intellectual tradition. Um, and I just, just like the, it was really cool to watch it with you too because I saw mm-hmm. how powerful you know, like like just seeing these women be. Just, oh yeah, just... just from like beginning to end, I was either crying or like about to cry because everything she said really spoke to how she makes people feel seen, <clears throat> and seeing yeah. her behind the scenes. Uh, as an example, her first pregnancy, she made a documentary about kind of herself. Are you familiar with that mm-hmm. at all? Uh, this was yeah it was all through her first pregnancy and there was a lot of unnecessary speculation that she was using a surrogate because all the shots you saw her belly not her face Mm -hmm. and things like that and i think that this really makes it feel a little bit more grounded because you see that she had this long difficult pregnancy 
and well, this is for the twins, right? Yeah, she had preeclampsia and she gained. She was like she, she was like two hundred and eighteen pounds the day she gave birth, and one of the baby's heart stopped, so she had to have an emergency C section. And you know, you see her just like working her ass off to come back from that, mm-hmm. and it's it's yeah, it's incredible. She yeah. represents a lot of people. And it's like a two and a half hours of really good music with lots of awesome choreography. There's a lot of fun, like cameos. Uh, you know, she invites people from her family and friend circle, and you can probably guess who they are. Um, but it's real, real fun. Like her greatest hits, and she's got a shit ton of them. Holy shit, she's made so much good music. So much good music. <laughs> and just to see the level of uh, detail that she put into, she said she hand selected every dancer. And uh-huh. she, you know, she worked all of the music out herself and, you know, all the details of how the set was going and all the lighting. It, it was incredible to see how much work she puts into this while she's raising three small children. And it's interspersed with like between every like kind of set uh, and costume changes interspersed with like her giving monologues about historic black colleges and universities and her own family's involvement in that and or like inspirational thoughts about uh, parenthood because there's a lot of stuff with her little daughter that's like super fucking cute so cute um and her and jay-z and the family being really cute together yeah you can see blue like practicing dance moves with her yeah so it's uh it's it's really good um and obviously if you're beyonce fan you've already seen it and if you're just casual check it out it's a lot of fun what did you guys think of hbo's the future of work this is a vice uh special uh special report i think or spotlight report it's it's an hour-long focus on the impact of automation and artificial intelligence into uh our economy and especially uh working class people um uh and and not just that either it's also um sort of how that's going to affect the happiness of people too which i thought was maybe the most interesting and least talked about idea Mm -hmm. uh for the future of work essentially Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I, you know, this is one of those topics that I'm, I won't say super knowledgeable about, but I'm definitely concerned about because I know it's going to put a lot of people out of work. Um, and I don't think there's really any industry or sector that is totally safe from it. Mm-hmm. Like people say, oh, well, the jobs will just evolve. No, when you have human level AI consciousness type stuff, there will be no jobs that we can do better than the computer's. Um, so eventually, and that, you know, maybe a couple hundred years in the future, who knows, but eventually it's going to affect everybody and we need to develop a solution. And some of those solutions are starting to be developed today, Mm -hmm. uh, in little test pilot programs around the country. And I thought that was one of the more interesting things that they were showing in this. Um, it's funny because like they open up with like these truck drivers at a truck stop and like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, this vice, um, a uh, journalist had ridden with his robot uh, truck all uh, all morning, and uh, he went in and said, "What did you guys think about this?" And you could see them like kind of like, "Well, well, what is it? This and yeah. well, what about a crosswind and what?" And they had answers to everything. And like the <laughs> idea that like none of these truck drivers could really conceive of how close this is yeah. to like this is just essentially debugging and regulatory hurdles, which might be formidable, but like this is probably going to come in the next ten years. Yeah. And there's something like between five and 10 million jobs that could be affected. Um, and, I, and I was just thinking like, oh, these guys, they just don't fucking know how far we've come. And then we got to this Amazon facility <laughs> that had these mobile shelving units. And it was like something out of fucking Harry Potter. And I had the moment of like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. I didn't know. Like, 
It's it's really only an issue of can we grasp a thing? Yeah. And once we can, we need none of you five. Like we don't need it's it's not like there is like I feel like we are ten years away from like between ten and thirty million jobs disappearing, mm-hmm. and then as soon as they can get a robot arm that can grasp th- something as well as a, a hand, yeah. it doesn't need to be human intelligence. It needs to have that dexterity. Mm-hmm. Another probably ten to the twenty million, and they're going to be like. And it affects, like, you know, really blue-collar stuff. Obviously, it affects, like, entry-level jobs. Like, how are kids going to get started, like, in work things? And they also kind of, I, I think, did something that I've had a hard time grasping, which is kind of like the hellish conditions of working as a... As a, a like, like, it's one thing if you're a cog in a machine and all the other cogs are people, too. Because you can mm-hmm. talk, you can bitch, you can cover for each other. But when you're the cog and the th- three cogs around you are robots... Yeah, that, that dude they talked to on the basketball court. Yeah. Uh, that, I started to feel real uneasy when yeah. they were asking him the questions they asked him. Yeah, because yeah, hilariously he said he didn't want to give his last name, but just full face, like no one's going right. to recognize oh, him. Oh, yeah, he's Bezos one of eight employees in that warehouse. <laughs> yeah, and they all have you with facial recognition, so they're yeah. going to know who you are, and you're already fired, dude. But um... And you use your voice so Echo knows what you're doing and... Yeah, there's an Amazon drone just hovering over the interview. (laughs) Well, and there's this—that's the frustrating thing because there's this this Amazon guy who's like their head of automation. He's like, "Oh, you know, we think humans we value their resourcefulness and their resourcefulness and their creativity. And why would we we why we're going to create jobs? Why would we ever want to take out the human element?" I'm like, "Motherfucker, you will do it in a heartbeat the second you can. Mm -hmm. You know why you would want to? Because it makes you more money. Makes you more money. Exactly. Boom. There's your reason, and your shareholders are all saying, "Make us more money." Right. And if you don't, it's actually illegal for you not to. So, and right. they also showed that they kind of were very close to perfecting that grabbing technology yeah. when they showed the Apple suction thing. Yeah, the research being done at colleges and universities now uh, is getting close. And yeah, I'm the, the other like sort of unintended consequence. So, so they're talking about doing these like basic incomes. And I, I really liked the guy who was talking about like a freedom dividend, I think is what the term Yang, used. Yeah. Andrew Yang. Uh, yeah, I liked when they talked to that guy because he seemed to have a grasp on not just you know the financial problem of this but the discontent issue mm-hmm. with human beings when they feel completely useless right. and have nothing to live for right like a, a lot of people live for their work right and, yeah like and, that truck driver that said that he wants to die behind the wheel or the yeah. toyota person who wanted to retire there right for sure um and and i suppose like you could try to find hobbies that will take the place of that but ultimately like if you're on a restricted income you have no potential to earn any more because robots are doing every job. Uh, nobody has the income to even support you if you were going to try to start a business. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave people? It leaves people fucking stuck. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of discontent around the idea of simply uh, a basic income when th- you know three or four companies are basically running everything right they're keeping you alive you've got this like like there's a subreddit called r slash a boring dystopia where it's like (laughs) Uh you're gonna live in a world where like you know amazon and facebook and uh tesla Mm -hmm. literally own everything and you just are i think that's one of it's interesting because as i've looking at more like leftist critiques of economy um like real like leftists do not like the idea of a universal basic income because 
you're essentially taking a very small you're essentially you're essentially accepting a substance uh existence rather than you know us equally sharing the value of labor across you know sure. any any given population like this is you're surrendering all the additional there's a, to... there, there's a reason why they had a lot of different like you know um techno like silicon valley executives extolling the virtues because it's essentially like hey we can buy you off one time fee and then anytime you come to bitch or talk about this stuff oh you got your guaranteed basic income so what more do you want it makes me wonder who's going to buy all the things they're producing with that uh production power but i've heard so one thing i surprisingly talk about is like one thing i've heard as a solution to the like jobs is that you mandatory mandatory shorter work weeks like uh instead of like like you can still you still have to do ubi but you would do things like um instead of like a very smaller percentage of people getting gainful employment like you would redefine a full-time work week to be 24 hours that's what you need to have salary that's what you need to have benefits that's what you and so then you'd have to hire more people to do the same job it's like the opposite of productivity or efficiency seeking but it's a way to sustain society but you would also have to simultaneously sort of regulate heavily yeah. automation. Yeah. Because what's the incentive to hire three people to do one job if you can build, I mean, you build don't, one no, robot? It'd be, it'd be like fiat legislation. You'd pay yeah. for Like I've heard of other things is um, that you tax – you actually put a tax on robots uh, to sure. as, as like make them pay into like unemployment insurance. So like fine, yeah. you can replace a person. But you have to continue to pay their payroll taxes into the system so that the person you replaced can at least live. And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I know a lot of people get up in arms about, like, oh, God, there's a lot of government intrusion into uh, <laughs> to, to, to free market economy. But, like... The free market does not have a solution for this. No. It's the free market. It's, it's going to be, like, uh, all the wealth in, like, ten people's hand, and we ask them if we can survive. Yeah. Or, honestly, that's, like, that's revolution well, time. I, I mean, it, it'll be cyclical, right? Because yeah. if, if you get the, the, the lower class too bad off... Right. Then it doesn't like what are you making? Who are you making products for? Sure. How are they going to buy them? How the, how are the people at the top going to continue to get the money they yeah. got while they were pushing everybody down the ladder? Um, but I do think combinations of like universal health care and universal basic income and shorter work weeks are ways to get us. Because like I said, I've, I've always said there's like there's this could go like to some kind of Mad Max deal or it could go into a Star Trek to Next Generation, <laughs> and it's the moves that we make between now and then that's going to make that like a bumpy phase like star trek had to go through their fucking eugenics war and they had to fight a bunch of super engineered super soldiers led by khan like are we gonna have to go through that to get to the utopia um yeah one of the things i didn't like uh uh, in in this documentary is sort of the uh the positive light they paint on grassroots education Mm. to retrain people for jobs right uh that in my mind won't even exist right. uh, in you know twenty to fifty years. So like the the a I, I think like they're training people for jobs that are just going to go away because they're going to be AI'd or automated mm-hmm. out of their their job. B it shouldn't be the people's job to try and figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. It should be the government who's supposed to help take care of people, right. who's supposed to help guide people through these difficult problems. Yeah. That should be their job to re-educate people, not some fucking grassroots community effort that can help a handful of people because they have, you know, $200,000 for an entire year. Right. Like, that's just not going to work. Yeah, and also just the the fact is that not everyone's going to be able to be taught the program. Not everywhere. And, yeah. and also, like, 
not everyone wants to be a programmer. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the problem you run in with these private versus government solutions is that the CEOs are always going to have an interest in make maximizing their money and shortchanging the uh, employees. And the first things that will be cut are these training programs that they're touting. And there's like they're mm-hmm. promising to do this for 100,000, 200,000 jobs. And but like, are they held accountable to that promise? There's no. that great sequence where, where the guy them, is yeah. just like, so who holds you accountable if you don't? Uh-huh. do this because with the government we can actually vote them out of office we get to right. say who's running that right what do we do if the ceo of you know company x says ah we're just not going to live up to that promise but and then this fuck face had and this is a direct quote well ceos have a vested interest in hiring and training the best people for their jobs and to pay them as much as possible so they work here 20 30 40 years why wouldn't they do that i'm like i don't know fucker because you start talking 20 30 40 years at one place that's a fantasy that is a fucking fantasy for anyone that's under 40 years old. Oh, it's a fantasy right now. It was a fantasy 20 years ago. Right. Now, with robots replacing you, it's a fantasy to think those jobs will even exist, let yeah. alone that you'll get to do them for that long. Right. And with this retraining as well, they even made a point to say that, you know, even if you teach these people who are willing code, soon their own jobs are going to be uh, right. uh, yeah, like, out or replaced by robots. Like, Absolutely. They, they, like, uh, medical work uh, uh uh programming legal like a lot of this like 30 40 percent of the work is like basic grunt you know grunt work that can be done faster cheaper and easier with a with a uh, artificial intelligence like they showed with this legal software it already <laughs> uh well this some of this legal yeah. software can already outdo a paralegal uh, what they're trained to do how many paralegals do we have in this and you know and those are good jobs those are people that those are jobs that people want mm-hmm. these aren't like coal miner jobs that are like dangerous and unsafe and unsafe like uh and i think that like one of the things they hint at is that as a society we're going to have to rethink how we value ourselves mm-hmm. and w- how we view work and our w- intrinsic worth as people because it's so clear that we've created a society that only values and, and we value ourselves based on what we can contribute and we can't contribute when we can't contribute like monetarily when we can't generate value then we're worthless but that's such a i mean this goes back to like reading sapiens last year and the 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 point that they made like that the average you know uh human uh human hundred thousand years ago spent 15 to 20 hours a week providing for their basic necessities uh and then the rest of the time they could create art they could teach their children they could hang with their family they could fuck uh they could rest um and we have traded now and but then you could also get disemboweled by saber tooth tiger you could also <laughs> die of some disease or famine um and we've traded that unsurety for like safe and 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 generic prosperous but at the uh, at the cost of ever more productivity being demanded from us mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's the key thing is like it didn't used to be like you know grog didn't value himself based on what you know how how much of uh, how, how many pennies he could add to a company's bottom line it's like am i warm and well fed then i'm successful mm-hmm. like if we can make everyone warm and well fed on the planet the trick and then didn't like and hey you can do whatever you want that's 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 that seems like that's as, as hard a question to solve as just how are we going to pay for all this how are we going to care for all these people where is the money going to come from i don't know 
Yeah, it's an insanely complicated question, and I don't think we have yeah. any good answers currently. And, you know, what's shocking is how very few of, like, where are so many people running for, for office right now, for the highest office land, and very few people um, are have serious policy proposals or talking about these particular issues, and I think they're some of the more pressing over time. Mm-hmm. And also, it's not just about the, the president. Like, you know, I think if... You know, we're going to have to. They've they've done so much to like gut unions and gut consumer protection and uh, gut uh, social safety nets and like reduce the federal government's budget to where they don't have any money to like you know care for people and provide for the general welfare. Um, that we have to like at every level, like it, like just voting, not voting is, shouldn't be an option anymore. Voting for just a presidential like uh, b- big elections are not good enough anymore. Like we got to, you got to, you got to get involved at the primary level. You got to get involved at your local level. We have to like start paying attention to hold people accountable, or they're going to drive us off a fucking cliff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. They're going to remote. They're going to have an AI robot drive us off a fucking cliff and we're it's gonna it's gonna be too late so <laughs> uh, it's a great i think it's a great primer for if you haven't thought about yeah. these issues um and actually i learned a thing or two and i'm also just every time i see this every time i see one of these documentaries i see one every two or three years i'm just alarmed at how quickly things have changed like that i am like amazon is so fucking close to just not needing people to fulfill all their packages mm-hmm. yep and i i don't think that's a bad thing like those jobs suck no, but, but, but it's hilarious to, to me. Do, no, we, a way to live. Where, where you've got CEO, CEO saying, oh, why would we ever want to replace people? Like people, we've, we value their creativity and all this stuff. And then in the same breath, you have Amazon who's actively funding competitions to come up with a way to put all their employees out the, out the door. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Like it, we're, putting, we're putting up a prize of a million dollars to whoever can come up with a really good way to grasp objects. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the winner of that has essentially just put all those people out of work. Yeah. Right. And a million dollars would be really low for having Extremely. come up with that, for how yeah. rich they just made Bezos. Yeah. It, it's a trillion dollar idea. <laughs> it's and a their, rounding error in their, yeah. in their human resources budget. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, we, there's so there, and that, that's the, the problem. Anytime I look at like social, economic, political things is there are so many really huge uh, struggles and problems facing us that like i don't know maybe maybe our generation won't have to fight a fucking world war but this shit is hard too and it mm-hmm. has a potential to kill a lot of people and cause a lot of unrest and this on top of like climate change and uh like water scarcity and you know, like stresses on like monoculture food crops like there's just a lot of uh, the fact that like our antibiotics are uh running out of effectiveness faster than we can develop new ones like I really hope we can technologic our way out of some of these things or just get serious about fixing them or uh, we're, uh, the, the, the world we leave to our children and our children's children are going to be materially worse. And I think the world we're, we're living in right now is, is, is getting that way. So, um, all right. That's uh, anything to say anymore? Nope. On All that right. positive note. <laughs> yeah, on that positive note. Um, yeah, well, light a fire. Yes, yes, it's bad. Go get a fire lit under your ass. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, I don't even know what we're watching because we do our prep on Monday, but we'll be having another Bald Move TV next week. Oh, I know we'll certainly be covering the finale of American God Season 2. Correct. Whew. That's, that's been a, a rough ride the last few episodes. And uh, some other stuff. And, of course, Game of Thrones. And we'll have a uh, new Super Serious Film Fest. Uh, Until then, until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily.